It's uh, nice to be here with you. Appreciate the opportunity and hope that uh, I can be a blessing. I know that some of you, many of you, have already been a blessing to me, and I'd like to repay that. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, and I'll give you time to find some verses tonight. Colossians chapter 2. I'll be open and honest with you. I'm struggling myself. I'm breaking in a new Bible. And and the pages are sticking together, and I can't find anything. So we'll take our time, and we'll do just fine. Colossians chapter 2, the verses 6 and 7. Just a word about who I am, where I come from. Uh, As you can tell from my English, I'm from the southern part of the United States. America. I've been working as a missionary primarily in Central Europe since 1980, and I've been doing missionary work since 1978. Uh, My current home is in the country of Austria. It's a beautiful alpine city. It is called Bluden. Uh, Our primary language there is dialect of German. Uh, It's uh, a little uncomfortable for me to preach again in English, but I think we'll get through it. I think we'll do just fine together. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord. So the premise is, You're a believer. You know the Lord Jesus. You have come to a place in your life that you realized you were a sinner, not because you did something wrong, but because you were born wrong. And that led you to do things that were wrong. But you came to a place in your life where you turned your life over to Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And so he's talking to Christians here when he says, As ye therefore, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. In other words, be a Christian. Conduct yourself as a Christian. Live in your daily life as that which would honor his name. Then he says in verse 7, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. We could spend a long time there, but we will not tonight. Simply said, I'd like to speak to you tonight about spiritual growth. Growing in the Lord Jesus Christ. We have come to an interesting day in what we call Christianity. We have come to a place where many people think that because they intellectually believe some things, They have a statement of faith or a creed of some kind, and they believe that because of something that they have attested to on paper, 
or something that someone has given to them, that that makes them a Christian. It does not. Being a Christian is much more than a creed. It is much more than something that's written down on paper or happens to be an article of faith. When we get saved, our destiny is changed. That is the most wonderful thing I can say tonight. Our direction was wrong before we came to know the Savior. When we came to know Him, our destiny was changed within a second or two, in a millisecond perhaps, our destiny was changed. Turn with me, please. Hold your place there in Colossians. I'm going to put a bookmark. And go with me to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I hope you're going there with me. I'd like for you to look at these verses with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to read two verses. Verse 1. For we know, that's an emphatic word, we know this. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, talking about this body, if it were to be completely taken away, if we were to leave this world tonight, for we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, an house not made with heavens, eternal, eternal. Where I come from in Alabama, they sing a song a lot. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasure is laid up somewhere beyond the blue. And that's certainly true. Our home is not on this earth. Our home, being Christians, is out of this world. It's another place. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and house not made with hands, eternal, in the heavens. And he describes some things, and I'd like to bring you now to verse 8. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 8. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Dear friends, heaven is real. There is a place in the presence of the eternal God that God has prepared for us, and we call it heaven. And it is a real place. It's not some part of our imagination. It's not some fantasy. It is more real than the earth that we're living on today. That home, that place can never be dissolved. Thank God we can never lose that place. Heaven is a real place. Now turn with me again to another passage in 2 Timothy. The book of 2 Timothy, chapter 4. Paul, preaching to this young missionary preacher, says to him in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6, For I am now ready to be offered, 
and the time of my departure is at hand. Now, what's he talking about there? Look at verse 7. Paul says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, thank God, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Why did I read these verses? When Paul is talking to us in this passage, he's saying to us that the life that we're now living is like a ship, and it has been anchored in a foreign harbor. It's been anchored in a faraway harbor away from home. And now the time has come for the ship to sail back home and the anchor has been lifted. The chain has been brought back on deck. The weight that held it down to the harbor, this foreign harbor, has been lifted. And now the ship is free to set sail for home. That's what this passage is talking about, departing to another place. As I said just a moment ago, when we got saved, our destiny was changed. Everything was changed in the twinkling of an eye. Our destiny is changed. Our new life begins to develop. And so Paul, in the verses that we began with tonight, talks about, so walk ye in him. Because you have been saved. Because your life is now under the control of the Spirit of God, the great high sheriff of heaven, who is now deputing you through this earth and moving you on to home, there's going to come a time when that anchor will be lifted, the bonds, the surly bonds that have held us to this earth will be lifted and we will be transported to our eternal heavenly home. Praise God for that wonderful thought. So he says, in the verse we've just read, that our life has been changed, our destiny has been changed, we have a new life, and we began to develop that life. Just like your, your school education, you begin at some point, and you build upon what you got in the first class, you build upon that in the second grade, the third grade, and life is like that, where you're going continually in a growing process and developing as a Christian. On this earth, you will never completely arrive. You're always striving for mastery to get to another place. We're talking about growing in grace. And you never grow so much that you don't need to grow some more. You're always growing in grace. Now, he says, as you have received the Lord Jesus. Well, how did we receive him? That's worth asking, isn't it? It's a good question. I'd like to run through some verses with you just to make sure we recap and make sure we're all on the right page with each other. Turn with me, please, in your Bibles to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. We have plenty of time. Don't worry. You can take your time getting there. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. Therefore... 
being justified by faith. How did we get saved? By faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. By faith, taking God at his word. There can be no faith until God speaks. When God speaks, our faith is in what he has said. Our faith is in what God has said in his word. So faith begins, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So here he says, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're saved by faith in the Lord Jesus. Turn with me now to Acts chapter 20, the book of Acts and chapter 20. Acts chapter 20 and verse 21. Testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. You might say we get an attitude adjustment. There comes a place in our lives when we accept God and we, uh, we repent, we realize what I mean by repenting is we turn in another direction. We were going in the wrong direction. We turn in the direction to God. We look to Him and we trust the Lord Jesus Christ, His Son, and the promises He has made us in His Word for our salvation. So it's repentance toward God. We turn about and go in another direction and we're facing God, and we trust the Lord Jesus Christ as our heavenly guide to bring us all the way to heaven. That's the new birth. And we're talking about as we have received him, well, we received him by faith, by repentance, and by trusting the Lord Jesus in what he said. Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. And if you will, Romans 3 and verse 25. Romans 3:25. For all have sinned. I'm sorry, that's verse 23, verse 25. Whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. My friend, listen to me closely. The Lord Jesus had to bleed and die. To create all of the universe, God simply spoke. But in order to save you, he had to bleed. He had to bleed. There is no salvation apart from the cleansing blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's not just believing that there is a Jesus and that he will save you. It's understanding the fact that you should have died on that cross you should have died and gone to hell, but Jesus Christ shed his blood so that he would take your sin to himself and impute to you or cover you with the cleansing of his blood and his righteousness. That's how we got saved. So it's faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, having repented and turned to God and trusting the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ to get us home. Romans 3 and verse 28, therefore, says Paul, we conclude that a man is justified by God. 
That word justified in the English language lends itself to an interesting small uh, proverb. That word justified means actually that God as the heavenly righteous judge in a courtroom because of some action that was taken, that is your faith in the Lord Jesus and his promise, he has justified you. He as a judge has wrapped the gavel on the table and said, you are no longer guilty. You are now free. You are now innocent. And there's no charge against you. You are free. You are absolutely free. You are justified. And that word lends itself to saying, it is just as if I'd never sinned. Just as if I'd never sinned. Jesus uh, looks at me. God looks at me. And if the devil goes into the courtroom and says to the judge, our Heavenly Father, Griggers is a sinner. He's wicked. He deserves to be in hell. And the heavenly judge will look at the books and say, well, I can't find anything to his account. He's absolutely innocent. He's not only innocent, it's as if he never sinned. The second Adam took me back into the garden where the first Adam was a denied access. Thank God for that. So, as we are saved, as we have become saved, so walk ye in him. Our faith in Christ is a simple, childlike response to the gospel. You hear the gospel message, you hear it, and for the first time in your life, you, you handle with it, you deal with it in your heart, and your heart says, I believe that. I believe what he has promised in the gospel is enough to save me, and you trust him for that. That's all it takes to be saved. That's all it takes to be saved. Our walk, then, as a Christian, is a continual submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. What the Lord demands of you in the Scripture, what the Lord leads you uh, to do and to be in the Scripture, your Lordship is, uh, your walk in Him is a submission to His Lordship on a daily basis. On a daily basis. I'm going to, I'm not ready for this test. English test, for example. Oh, uh, I have to say to you that that was my worst subject. Well, perhaps math was my worst subject. And I was tempted a few times to write an answer on the cuff of my shirt. I'm sure no one here would ever do that, but I was tempted. My friends, you listen to me good. As a child of God, you submit to the Lordship of Christ on the spot and say, no, I refuse that temptation. I will not do that. And you groan just a little bit. Do you know when you run the scriptures and talk about, I, I think one of your songs talked about the little strength or the small strength that we have. You know, we're not asked to have great strength. We're told to have little strength. You know, just a little faith put Peter walking on the water. What would great faith do? I have no idea. I've never come as far as, far as to walk on water. Have you? Just a little bit of something will go a long way. What's that song we sing? 
little is much if God is in it. And that's true. So our walk is a continual submission to the Lordship of Christ through the authority of the Word of God. It is absolutely vital that you learn to carry the Bible with you almost everywhere you go. If you can, everywhere you go. Carry the Word of God with you and refer to it often, especially when you're tempted. We are to become people of the book. Now, I started out talking to you about spiritual growth. And I took you back through some verses to show you that we are all saved in the same way. Nobody has been saved differently than those verses that I read to you. Your experience may be one thing, but the way you got saved, the moment you got saved, it was through repentance toward God and faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ. That is salvation, and there's no other way. No money, no burning candles, no rituals, no goosebumps, no special music. That's the way you get saved. And the moment you get saved, dear friends, I don't care how old you are or how young you are, the Lord expects you to grow in grace. He really does. Now, go with me to John chapter 6. John chapter 6 and verse 63, and I'm going to make a statement. I hope you're not upset with me. John chapter 6. John 6 and verse 63. It is the Spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth how much? How much? How do you say that in pidgin? Say it loud. No got. Nothing. <laughs> right? You know what a nothing is? It's a zero, and you remove the black ink around it. There's nothing. Absolutely not. Not even a ring. There's nothing. Nothing. So he said, it is the spirit that makes alive or quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. Now, what is it? The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit, and they are life. This book is your life. It is your life. It is the oxygen mask that you need when there's nothing else to breathe. It is life. It is food. It is contentment. It is joy. It is everything. Everything is wrapped up in the words of God. And I mean the individual words. Now, why did I say that? We live in a, a day and age, I know in Australia, they're beating on the drum about the Matildas. You know the lady football team, the Matildas? And uh, they're beating on the drum about the Matildas, and everybody's a rah, rah, rah. And uh, I'm sure that Eugenie has also some sort of a football team or I don't know, basketball team, some kind of a team. And uh, I know we're tempted to put posters on our rooms, in our rooms, if we can get them, 
of our heroes. You know, uh, for me it was Mike Tyson and uh, boxing heroes or, or the Filipino fellow that used to box. Everybody's got some kind of a poster or wants to put a poster on their wall. I'm telling you, we have no right as children of God to waste our time with such trivial things. What you should have on your bedroom wall are posters with the Word of God on them. Oh, I knew I was going to get in trouble here. Our heroes should be Bible heroes. And that which we put on our walls in our rooms should be the Word of God. And we should memorize those verses and work on those verses and have them where they become a part of our lives. We don't need sports heroes. We need God's heroes, the ones who've stood the test in the book. And we don't have any posters of them, so we have to quote their verses. Amen, Brother Griggers. I like to hear that. Are you with me? Are you with me? Amen. Spiritual growth. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, the verses 6 and 7. Let's read those with my comments in our background. Colossians 2, 6, and 7. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord. Well, how did you receive him? Help me. How did you receive him? I'm listening. I spent a long time talking about it. How did you receive Jesus Christ? Anybody want to be brave? And Well, if you don't want to talk to me about it now, see me after here privately or how did we receive Jesus Christ? By faith and repentance toward God. Repentance toward God, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you with me? How did we receive him? One thing, one word, faith. And the next word, repentance. All right, let's do it again. How many, how did we get saved? First, by in the Lord Jesus and toward God. Are you with me? Amen. I like this crowd over here. They're a little louder than you guys. You're going to have to learn how to talk back. All right? We'll get with you. All right. Now, Colossians 2, verse 6. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. So we learn that we walk, we, we get saved by faith, right? We get saved by faith. What's the next word? We get saved by, okay. So how do we walk in him? By, and how do we walk in him? By, we have to do that a lot. You with me? Yeah, you're catching on, you're catching on. But those are the things that will cause you to grow. You stumble over something in your Christian life. You're going through a tough time on something. Or may I make a, a very personal 
example. Maybe some of you older ones are thinking about marriage. You're looking down the road and you're saying, you know, someday I'd like to be a wife. I'd like to be a husband. That's what I want. I want to be a husband or I want to be a wife. And perhaps you begin to look around and try to figure out, well, you know, I mean, the pool here is not too big, but uh, hmm, we've got a few, and uh, perhaps this one or that one. You with me? You're on the same page with me? All right. And then you find out that that man or that woman that you've been eyeballing is not saved. What do you do? What do you do? Help me, Braxton. Okay, pray for them. But I'm talking about your decision for your life. This person is lost. You've been, you, you try, you're thinking of going into a relationship with this person. What do you do? Repent. Amen. It's called repent. Right? I'm going this way, and no, that's not going to work. I go this way. In what direction am I going? Toward God. God gives me the partner I need. If that person gets saved, hallelujah. Let them grow also. Wait on God. You with me? We're talking about growing. And what's that other word, that big word that we use? Faith. Trust God and the word of God that he's going to work it out for you. And he will. At some point, he will bring something out of that unseen dimension and bring it down to this earth, and it will totally amaze you how good God can answer prayer. He can do it. As ye, what does it say there? As ye therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. The next word is rooted. I was talking to Pastor Matt about some of the plants that you have growing around here, and some of them are just beautiful. I spent a lot of time today photographing them. They're beautiful. I, I love them. And he mentioned to me that you put the palms, you planted quite a number of palms. And I believe what he said to me was, that you put them in the ground and for one or two years you don't know if it's going anywhere at all. You don't know if it's even, you don't know what it's doing. What is it doing during that first two years? Then all of a sudden, after those two years, it starts to grow up. What's it been doing all of that time? Putting roots down. First, a downward growth into the Word of God and then an upward go uh, growth. You understand? He's rooted, a Christian should be walking in Christ by faith, daily repentance, turning from some things, turning towards some things in the Word of God. And then he says, rooted and built up in Him, in Christ. And then, established in the faith. Now, I'm going to read a couple more verses and we'll close up for tonight. Why is it necessary for you to have a pastor? Why is it necessary for you to have 
someone to lead you in your young Christian life to spiritual growth. Why is that necessary? Why can we not just be on our own, go out on our own, and uh, do the best we can? Why did God do these things? Would you turn with me to the book of Ephesians? Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to read several verses. Ephesians chapter 4. I'll wait on you. Ephesians chapter 4. And let's begin our reading at verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for what? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, immature, unable to make decisions properly, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. I hate to say this, but there's a whole world out there who is not pleased if the devil cannot take you to hell, and when you get saved, you are saved eternally. If he cannot take you to hell, he wants to use you to take somebody else to hell. And he wants to demean you and make your testimony so bad that nobody will believe you when you talk about the Lord. That when you say things about the Lord, it's unbelievable. So the devil is very crafty, and that's the word that's used here. He's very subtle, he's very crafty, and he works in small ways to try to ruin you and to ruin your walk with the Lord. We're talking about spiritual growth. How can I grow spiritually? More than likely, God wants you in a good church, and he wants you to have a pastor, and he wants that pastor to shepherd you and to uh, pull the ticks off of you and get the dirt off of you when you do wrong and to help you do that repenting that you need and to encourage your faith. That's what it's all about, and you grow, and you grow, and you grow, and that the ministry of the local church is to perfect men and women, boys and girls, for the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. How long does that go on? Until we get to heaven. It never stops. Now go with me now again to Ephesians 4, uh, verse, let's see. Ephesians 4, verse 14. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, and he makes sure that you understand who he's talking about, even Christ, 
from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Simply said, what he's saying there is you need to grow in grace. You need to grow as a child of God. Wherever you are today in your spiritual life, tomorrow evening at this same time, you should be a little bit further down the road in your spiritual walk and a closer walk with the Lord. You should be growing every day some measure, some amount, able to make spiritual decisions easier today than you did yesterday. Spiritual growth. And if at some point you just don't know which way to go, that's why God has given you spiritual leaders. And they're here to help your faith. So why go to church? I want you to look at one more word, and that's in our text that we started off with. Colossians chapter 2, verse 7. Rooted, built up in him, established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding. What does that word abounding mean? Anybody know? Want to help me? Abounding. I mean the energy's in you and you just can't, I mean it, you can't contain it. It's out on you. It's moving. You're abounding. You're just full of it. You, you, you're just full. Have you ever been really happy? I mean really happy and you just can't do anything else? If, you, if you're sitting in a, in a crowd and you just, you can't contain yourself and you want to squeal, you want, mm, it's good. That's abounding. And look at the last word. Abounding therein with what? Huh? Thanksgiving. That's not a holiday, friends. That is a presence, a statement of mind, a condition, thankfulness. And do you know that that thankfulness is what is the root of worship? Worship is not singing. Worship is being thankful out of an abounding heart to the God who saved you and put you on a new path. Growing in grace. I want to ask you to stand with me. I hope you've been able to understand my stuttering English. And perhaps there's someone here tonight that says, deep inside your heart, I'm not as close to the Lord as I was before. I need to be closer. I need to get this right. I need to be closer to the Lord. Would you bow your heads with me in a word of prayer? Our Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for the Word of God. We're so thankful that you did not leave us alone on this planet. We're thankful that you saved us for a purpose. We're thankful for the Word of God. And I'm thankful tonight for the Spirit of God who not only makes the Word of God live, 
who also makes it abound in the hearts of young people I see. I pray, Lord, for that one who's been struggling with some decision, struggling with something that the Spirit of God has convicted tonight. I pray tonight that you would give them the grace to make a step forward and pledge to you tonight to work hard to move closer and to grow in grace. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I'm going to ask you if there's someone who would say, Brother Griggers, I am not as close as I want to be, and I want my life to count for Jesus. Pray for me. Would you put your hand up and take it right down? So I, yes, 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 yes. Mean it with your heart. Don't lie. Are you? Yes. Amen. Anyone else? Oh, my goodness, yes. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. You may put them down. Would you like to seal that? Would you like to seal that with a covenant tonight and say, Lord, by your grace, I'm going to. I'm going to move closer starting this instant. If you want to do that, do you have the courage tonight to step out of your place while our heads are bowed and come down here and get some help? Anyone like that want to come? Say, Brother Griggers, I want you to pray with me. Pastor Matt, I want you to pray with me. Sister Becky, I want you to pray with me. Come right now. Step out of your place and come right now. Anyone? Yes, please come. Please come. I'll wait for you right here. Please come right here. Right here. Anyone else? Sister Becky, would you come? Anyone else? Yes, please come. Please bow your heads. Please come. Brother Baxter, come here. Anyone else? I want to put my life in the hands of the Lord tonight. I need some help. I really need some help. I want it. Amen. Right here. Pastor Matt, do you have someone to help this lady? have time for you. We love you. We're interested in you. 